0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello
1: and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Michael Shearer, national political reporter here at The Washington Post. My guest today is South Carolina Congressman Jim Clyburn, a co-chair of President Biden's re-election campaign. Welcome to Washington Post Live, Congressman. Let me start with the with current political situation. Uh, you know, President Trump has got four criminal indictments, 91 criminal counts against him, January 6th happened, and yet if you look at the polls right now and the national polling averages, he's slightly ahead of a hypothetical matchup with President Biden. In some of these swing states like Michigan, he's ahead of uh, President Biden. What do you think is going on in the country right now?
0: Well, thank you very much for having me. I wish I knew what was going on in the country right now. You know, I've been around here a long time. I've been a part of the political process for a long time. I never thought uh, I would see uh, the country where it is today. I never thought I would see uh, a president refusing to concede to the will of the American people. Uh, I never thought I would live in a world where soundbites uh, become the order of the day. And so what is happening in this country today, seems to be driven uh, by a new Technology that the country is having a hard time uh, accommodating. A lot of it has to do with laws to be passed uh, some time ago uh, to get rid of things like the Fairness Doctrine and Fair Comment. These things were put in place way back in the 1930s to guard against this sort of thing. But we have thrown away all of that, so all of these protections that were out there are no longer there. And so this is not a partisan political problem. This is a problem this country has brought upon itself uh, by, I would say, capitulating uh, to a very strong uh, feeling in this country that uh, democracy uh, it may not be uh, the best way forward. Why else would you get rid of uh, the fairness doctrine? Why else would you put in place uh, something uh, that we have now where corporations are considered uh, as, as as people, individuals, giving big corporations two bites uh, out of the political apple? They vote as individuals, then they gather together and vote as a corporation. That is what's rigging this system. That, to me, was one of the... Uh, Citizen United was one of the worst uh, Supreme Court decisions ever. That started the cascading downward, and now we've got all other individual freedoms under threat uh, by this Supreme Court. That's what's going on here. It's not about politics. It's about something else that's taking place in this country that I hope uh, the American people uh, will rise up to, especially in this election year.
1: You've got an election coming up this year. You've met recently, I think, with uh, President Biden about his campaign. A number of other uh, senior Democrats have been meeting with him, including former President Obama. What has your advice been to him about what he needs to do now to sort of right this ship and get get back ahead in this campaign?
0: Well, I've said to the president that I am extremely pleased uh with uh, his campaign promises being kept when you make a promise you do your very best to keep it and if you are in, in any way crippled uh, in those efforts uh it for the american people to see and i've been often using student loan debt the person put forth five different categories within which he would be working to eliminate student loan debt. He was ruled, one of his efforts was ruled unconstitutional. And all the media focused on was that one effort. We went on with these other four efforts, Uh, public service, uh, non-forgiveness, forgiveness forgiveness for people with disability, Uh, forgiveness for people who had been tricked by these flying by uh, fly-by-night institutions like Trump University. Uh, he, again, $137 billion in student loan debt. But the only thing the media focused on was that one case uh, that the Supreme Court ruled against them on. And as I run around college campuses, talking to young people, I says, well, what's your problem uh, with uh, the president? He didn't keep his promise on student loan debt. Because the only thing that was reported out there was this court decision and not this $137 billion. And what is so interesting about that, if you talk to the uh, Department of Education, they will tell you every two months going forward for the next four years, another 75,000 people will become eligible to have their debts eliminated. 50,000 of which uh, in income-related programs. And the other twenty five thousand uh, in the public service uh, loan forgiveness programs we don't hear it writing about that people, that seemed not to be jazzy enough for people to write about
1: do you think the campaign needs to be doing more to get that message out? I mean, there's a number of other policy accomplishments that they've been frustrated that the American people don't know about the infrastructure bill the chips Act, you know the the lowering of the price of some prescription drugs uh, is that is that a campaign problem or is that just a problem with the, with the press.
0: Well, you know, no matter what we do in this campaign, I talk about it all the time. That's why I start started prolonging my introduction to the president, as I did this past uh, weekend uh, in Columbia, uh, mm-hmm. and a couple weeks before that in Charleston. Rather than presenting the president in the more dignified way of, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States, I've been going deep into these things, hoping that I can generate more discussion. And it seemed to be working to some extent. In fact, I just had a governor uh, of a state to, to call me today, asking me to give him a copy uh, of my introduction to the president uh, last weekend. Well, I can't give him a copy of that because I didn't video it and I didn't have anything written. I just talked from my own experience with this president. I told him, check with the media sources. Maybe somebody uh, recorded it and maybe we can get it from them. Yes, we gotta go out and talk about these things. And louder and longer. You know, I used to be in this business. And one of the first things that I learned is that people need to hear something they may be changed now, but back in the day they said they gotta hear it 14 times before they will remember it. And so we have to do that. We have an experience with that. When we passed the Affordable Care Act, the biggest thing Barack Obama did, we didn't go back to people and to tell them what they had. We lost 63 seats, all because of the Affordable Care Act. We ran on it eight years later and won the House back on the Affordable Care Act because people finally found out what they uh, had gotten. It took them eight years to hear it 14 times, uh, but we uh, finally got through to them, and we're there now. So that's what uh, we're up against here. And then we are up against all of this uh, AI, artificial intelligence. I mean, this is serious stuff that could undermine this country. So this is not just a Democrat's problem. This is our free media. We need to be making people aware of the fact that so much of the stuff that's getting into their heads, is getting onto their devices, is fake. And the guy who keeps talking about fake news is the one who is creating the fake news. You can always tell uh what uh Trump is doing by watching and listening to what he accuses others of doing. He is the biggest transfer of discretions I've ever seen in public life.
1: Let me ask you about uh African-American voters, the, the core of uh, President Biden's support in the Democratic Party and, and essential group for uh, the upcoming election. There are polls there that have shown really sharp drop-offs. Sometimes, in some polls, Trump is polling two, three times what he got in 2016 and 2020 among Black voters. Uh, you know, uh, President Biden's approval is down to 50% from, from the mid-'80s a couple years ago. Uh, Is that a communication problem as well, or is something else going on there? I
0: think there's something else going on there. Uh, Look, I saw none of that in South Carolina last weekend. I saw none of that when I was in Texas uh, a couple weeks ago, when I was in Connecticut last week. I don't see any of that. So why is it showing up? I think a whole lot of that has to do with people responding to those who judge uh, people by their style rather than their substance. You cannot give me one substantive reason why any black person in this country or in this world would vote for Donald Trump. Give me one substantive reason, and nobody's ever able to do that for me. And I can tick off all the things, the positives that have been produced by this president that means so much to black people. The lowest black unemployment in 40 years, causing the wealth gap for the first time in years, creating all of these 14 million jobs Uh, and you creating this stuff. And so many African-Americans with real income, the growth in the economy over 3%, double what anybody thought it would be. How is that a negative for any black person or white person? All those are positive. So why aren't they giving this president credit? Because people focus on style. And one of the best examples I can give you, and, and a lot of misinformation, the president talked, down in South Carolina on Saturday night about the former president refusing to visit Normandy, the cemeteries at Normandy when he was in France because it was raining. And then referring to those people buried there uh, as losers and suckers. And then he turned to the mic and said, can you imagine that? He really said that, can you imagine a sitting president? He didn't call him be sitting president today. He was talking about him being a sitting president at the time he made those comments. Yet the first headline I saw yesterday was saying, is this a sign of senility, referring to uh, Trump as the sitting president? Come on, that's the kind of foolishness people are getting out here. And I've already had people saying, uh, believe in that stuff. That's what we're up against here. I don't know why people think that you can't make an honest living by telling the truth that represent things that really said yeah, I don't quite
1: understand that. I, I want to ask you about age, but but to your question of what African American voters would see uh, as a reason to vote for Trump, to go back to Trump. We did a story last month in which we went to a number of places around the country. One of those places was a Milwaukee barber shop. And what we were hearing from people there was complaints about their spending power, that the last two, three years have been really hard harder than during Trump's term, that the same wages they were making weren't going as far at the grocery store, that rents were up. Um, how do you answer that, that, that there, there have been these economic struggles at the kitchen table and just getting by month to month for people who haven't yet gotten big raises um, in the last couple of years?
0: That may have been true then. It wasn't true in Regal, the Regal Barbershop, that the president went into Saturday afternoon in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. Totally different story. Totally different. Why? Because all of us know that, that when it comes to the economy, the lagging indicator that catches up a little bit later than you would like for them to. The lagging indicators. I know this that gasoline. At the time you were there, per gallon gasoline costs were much higher back then when you were in Wisconsin than they are today, and they're turning down with it. I know this, that the 3.3% growth we got last month was not there when you were in Wisconsin. And I don't think you are going to get anything near today
1: in that same barbershop that you got when you were there. Yeah, I'm sure the president's certainly hoping that. Let me ask you about Saturday. You got a big day coming up. Uh, president Biden uh, supported moving up the South Carolina primary to become the first Democratic contest. That's this Saturday. Uh, it was the decisive race uh, in, in 2020. He has credited your endorsement in 2020 for making him president. Um, this time is a little different. He's running against Dean Phillips, but Phillips doesn't seem to be uh, showing much fight in South Carolina. There are some other people on the ballot. How will we know that Biden has a good day on Saturday? What are you looking for? Is it turnout? Is it margin of victory? What what will measure the enthusiasm for the president uh, uh, this weekend? Margin of victory. Margin of
0: and what victory. Do you,
1: and what do you, is it there a number be- you're looking for?
0: Oh, uh, I'm going to beat the number he got up there uh, in New Hampshire. I think he worked at 67 uh, percent. So I want to get at least 69, 70 percent in South Carolina. Beat that number uh, that he got when his name was not on the ballot. Uh, Look, I feel very strongly that we have to be realistic about these things. Four years ago, there were 23 people actively running for president in the Democratic primary. I knew about five or six of them very uh, fondly and personally. And 21 of them were at my fish fry uh, uh, a few months earlier. Yeah. But uh, you had Bernie Sanders spending a lot of money camping, Tom Steyer spending a lot of money campaigning and hiring staff going door-to-door. We had millions of dollars being spent by people turning out the votes. That's not taking place this time. So we'll, we won't have uh, the five hundred thousand turnout as we had before, and so right. you're going to measure his success by the margin of victory this time.
1: So there, there another difference I think in this election is I think third parties may play a bigger role, and you have right now at least two candidates: the attorney Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and uh, the academic Cornell West, who have been campaigning pretty hard in the black community. Uh, Making the case that if you want change, you got to look outside the Democratic Party. Even if you're coming from the progressive side of things, you should look outside the Democratic Party. Have you, have you heard that as you've toured through South Carolina? Are they getting any traction? And what is your message to Democratic voters who might be tempted to look to a third party this year? No, I'm not hearing that
0: outside of South Carolina, but it's history, though. So you know, I think you know me pretty well. You know that I. I look for the historical professionals of all of us. And there's mm-hmm. very good history here. When Jimmy Carter was running for re-election, we had the same phenomenon. Jimmy Carter carried South Carolina pig. He carried uh, or, or the uh, black voting in South Carolina, lost the state. But uh, Jimmy Carter's difference, he had uh, Dick Gregory running in the same capacity that Cornell West is running now. And what did that give us? It gave us Ronald Reagan. That's what it gave us. And that's the same thing what happened today. You know what happened uh, with Al Gore. The difference in Al Gore uh, and George W. Bush was the difference in the third party vote down there in Florida. I've done the history of this. In fact, I wrote a piece, for uh, oh, I forgot who now, on the history of these third parties. It has never happened. Never has a third party done anything but yield calamity for minorities. That's all that has ever happened. The history is clear.
1: Yeah, that's certainly a message we'll be hearing. I want to read you a quote from Nikki Haley, uh, your former governor. Uh, The first party to retire its 80-year-old candidate is gonna be the party that wins the election. You made reference to some of the attacks on President Biden because of his age. Um, how is age playing in this? And, and is it something you have to overcome with voters as you talk to them about, about President Biden?
0: Well, you know, I'm almost three years older than uh, Joe Biden. My style is a little bit different from Joe Biden. Joe Biden wears his compassion on his sleeves, he lived with it every day. Joe Biden's experiences have been different from mine. I don't know what it's like to get elected after the age of 29 and lose your wife and daughter in an automobile accident uh, on Christmas Eve. I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to lose a son uh, who uh, uh, you look to become you uh, in the future. So, Joe Biden is not uh, as animated as I am. Certainly not as animated as Trump is. But are you going to get carried away with the man's style, or are you going to deal with his substance? And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I'd much rather live in a world uh, with a old Thurgood monster sitting on the United States Supreme Court than a young Clarence Thomas. So you, age is very relevant when it comes to these things.
1: You, you've known him for quite a while. Have you noticed in any way that President Biden has lost a step because of age over the last few years?
0: Everybody loses a step because of age. You know That's not how you uh, judge. It's what in the brain. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. A step, yeah, you're going to step more generally, uh, when you're 80 years old than you do uh, than when you're 20. But you're thinking, your experience, what you apply to these issues. You know, apply footsteps to the issues that face the American people. You f- apply brain power, sanity, compassion, empathy. He's got all of that. And compare that to his opponent. No compassion. No empathy and very little brain power.
1: Let me let me turn to a couple legislative issues. For a long time, the the Democratic line on immigration is we will do a comprehensive bill that will include border security and a path to legalization for a large number of undocumented immigrants who are here now in the country. That seems to have shifted, and Democrats uh, in 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 the Senate are talking about a bill that would really just focus on border security. Uh, what are you looking for in a bill that comes out of the Senate? I think it could happen this week. We would get language, a bipartisan bill. Um, and, and what has changed about the border that makes possibly supporting something that's just really only on border security uh, something that needs to be done right now?
0: Well, you know, I don't deal with these issues in isolation. I deal with them much more comprehensively. And when you look at where we are as a country, I'll tell you what's the difference today. The difference today is a growing economy when people are going to work, when unemployment is down and nobody feels threatened by people coming into the country. So the day uh, is a totally different uh, atmosphere for us. And I also look at it in a very biblical way. I often think about Paul's letter uh, to his son Timothy—not his biological son, but to Timothy—he When talked about when I was a child, I spoke of child, a child, understood the child, I did childish things. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Everybody evolved in this, and we were in a place several years ago, maybe even last year, that we are not today, because Joe Biden is a policy, economic policy, that it makes it possible for people who came out of COVID-19 worried about whether or not they can make a living. They are now uh, back to working, making a living in their communities or improving, and they feel much better about sharing that with people uh, coming into the country. So uh, I think that the atmosphere is totally different now than it was then, and there's a lot of growth and maturity uh, in what we're doing now as opposed to what, how we conducted ourselves back then.
1: Is is there anything particular you're looking for in this bill or worried about that would be in this bill?
0: No, I'm not worried about anything in the bill. Uh, I do feel that this country, all of us, uh, this is the country of migrants, with one exception. We are all migrants. Now, some came voluntarily, uh, most my parents uh, and my forebears uh, did not come voluntarily, uh, mm-hmm. but we they were migrant, uh, so except for the native Americans, we are all migrants. And so what we need to do is have a comprehensive policy that take into account that we are all here as John Lewis used to say, you all came over on different ships, but we're all in the same boat now. And we need uh, to have policy that recognize and respect that Uh, in such a way uh, that all of us can feel better about ourselves and our country going forward.
1: You've also been a longtime supporter of the two-state solution in Israel. You've been supporter of U.S. military aid to Israel. It's a terrible situation over there. But it seems to me that, in the last few weeks, there's been a shift in the politics, because the prime minister of Israel is now saying he does not support a two-state solution, that the the Jewish state has to have security all the way through Gaza, and a number of members of his government are calling for a resettlement of Gaza or uh, the emigration of Palestinians out of Gaza. And I wonder how you see that playing out. Is there a point that Democrats in the House have to sort of take a stand against the Israeli government and say, if we are going to continue sending money to support you in this fight, uh, you have to you, you can't go forward with policies that are basically going to push Palestinians out of the Gaza Strip?
0: Well, you're right. I've always uh, supported the two-state solution. Once again, I don't want to go back. Uh, I'm I'm not a preacher or anything, but I I, stood at the Bible for historical context. Uh, Mm -hmm. And um, I've consulted the Bible a whole lot as it relates to this issue involving uh, Israel. And to me, there must be a two-state solution. And Netanyahu has never supported a two-state solution. I have never been a fan of Netanyahu. And I don't think that he's good for Israel. I don't think he's good for the world. And I really, I was over there about 18 months ago. Uh, and so I know uh been, I spent several days there. So I'm not surprised at this. Like I was there before he election, elected. And I said to the people in the party I was in that I was fifth that he was gonna pull off uh, an election. Now, I know he's a minority at the bottle together. They got a different form of government, but he is in charge. But he's not good for his, though. He's not good for the world. Uh, and I really do believe the time uh, is going to be uh, nigh uh, when uh, our government uh, recognizes that to deal with it uh, in a forceful manner.
1: But, but is there a point where you continued U.S. funding for Israel, military aid and otherwise, for Israel should be contingent on uh, what government's in charge and what their policies are?
0: Well, I'm going to let the, the foreign affairs experts deal with that. Uh, Gregory Meeks is a guy that I've talked to a lot about. These. He studied those issues much better than I do. There are some issues that I study more than he does. So we trade off uh, intelligence uh, in these levels. And I'll talk to him uh, and others uh, about this. So I don't know exactly where these uh, lines are, but I do know this that we must have a two state solution in uh, the Middle East.
1: And our last question. There was some breaking news yesterday that uh, the Sergeant of Arms received a subpoena related to a a member of Congress's spending. Uh, uh, There's been some reporting today that 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 member is uh, Cory Bush from Missouri. Uh, Do you have any concerns about this? Is this sort of just the normal course of business? Uh, Any thoughts about this investigation? No, you know, I, I I just
0: heard about this a couple of hours ago uh, and I'm concerned about this. Uh, I'm always, uh, interested, uh, in the members of our caucus, the members of Congress, uh, and of course, most especially, uh, African American members of Congress, uh, making sure, uh, that they, uh, really, uh, do not, uh, get railroaded in stuff like this, because sometimes, uh, things can happen. Uh, sort of unintentionally or misread the rules. Let the investigations uh, take place. I hope the investigations are such uh, that she uh, will be absorbed of anything that is, well, let's just say that breaks the law. Uh, but I, I don't know what this is about. didn't know a thing about it until about two hours ago.
1: Okay, unfortunately, that's it uh, for this edition of Washington Post Live. Thank you very much, Congressman Clyburn, for, for spending time with us.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.